So to start with, I mean, before we go into the rest of your career and all the different things that you've done, um, I'd love to hear a bit more about the album and what inspired you to make it. Uh, yeah, well, the, the, my album title, Jimmy Lee, was inspired by uh, my brother and um, some really um, beautiful people, actually. Um, but it just so happened to be so surrounded by drug addiction a little bit and uh, some frailties and, you know, growing up being a man, growing up in, in um, the Oakland Bay Area. Um, it's talking about some different stories of uh, of uh, some tragedy, some tragic stories and also some uplifting stories. Like my brother Jimmy was very uh, much a funny guy, an uplifting guy. He had, you know, he, even though he had an addiction from the age of like maybe 14 years old, um, he was pretty much 15 years older than me. So I was a when he when I came around when I was came around he was pretty much out of the house so he would come back to the house sort of like a hero to yeah. me even though he was you know a heroin addict I didn't see him as a heroin addict I just saw him as my older brother so um I ended up writing these stories about him and sort of about my life journey and like songs like my walk and songs for him would be like so ready um when he's so ready to be clean and he's promising people he's going to get clean and um yeah but he goes too far and he never can do it now he's never said he was gonna get clean. That's just my my story in my head. Your interpretation. My interpretation of, of what he what he may have been thinking. Um, I didn't know what he might have been thinking about. So that's why I came up with this record. I'm sort of imagining this is what Jimmy really wanted, but never got there. What what he was feeling. Exactly. And how how do you write that? You know that song specifically. I just write from um, you know from from. Con you know, concepts in my head, and just I actually score films. So yeah. I'm just scoring my life in this with this album. And when, when you and you know when you sit down to write that, because I mean the lyrics are so beautiful on that song, but then obviously you know the melody fits it perfectly. So like, do you, do you sit down with an instrument? Do you <clears throat> do you start singing something? Do you record into your iPhone? I, I mainly start making singing the mu making the music first because the music yeah. has to uh, um, really feel good. Yeah, know, for me to be inspired to um, to kind of keep going to get to that part, you know. Yeah, I mean, it just and because it's so deeply personal, but the way that you've written it, you know, mm -hmm. anyone can relate to it, um, which is obviously, you know. Yeah, and that's 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 the beautiful thing about it. You know, you wanted to write. It. I've always wanted to write songs and also have people sort of make their own interpretation of what they think I was talking about. Yeah. And sometimes people actually come up with better interpretations than I actually had. Well, I mean, because of the album title exactly. and, um, you know, anybody, anybody who's read about it kind of knows what, what you were going through and what, you know, one of the reasons for um, writing the album. But at the same time, it's just like, it's great in the sense that it allows you to allows other people to relate to it so I thought it was amazing and so you've collaborated with some other people on this record as well sure um, tell, tell me about those tracks um, I, well for something he was calling I collaborated with uh, Rob Bacon he's a really good friend, friend of mine from Detroit um, he's an amazing guitar player uh, a beautiful mind he also has a pretty dark mind too you know and um, pretty sure he his family and he knows people who went through some of the same things so it just made sense to have him on the record. 
even he's been on a lot of my records, but this record, uh, it felt like he was going to bring it home for me, and he actually did with, with this amazing guitar solo that, you know, that he um, sort of pulls from his history of, you know, being, you know, from, from his mom, who played a lot of records uh, in Detroit, who, you know, his dad was a bass player, and I think his mother really, you know, put him into, like, Prince and, and also Ernie Isley. So he brought that sort of magic to the record, and um, so I thank him for that. And also, um, Brooke DeLue, um sort of brought like this um, whole ambient type of vibe um, with drum sounds and, and chords and effects and um, just his energy that um, to be around me and um, then just do whatever, you know, just um, just just leaving it open ended to like you know we don't know what we're gonna do, but in the end, let's let's hope we have something. And uh, <clears throat> he was sort of around for the last part of the record. Um, he worked on um, Rikers Island, Soretti, and I'm Feeling Love, and probably something else I'm not thinking of. And a couple of like a little bit of uh, the interludes. And we we did other stuff that didn't even make the record. That was amazing. Wow. And um, so, how long was he in the studio with you for? The last six months. All right. Yeah, last oh. six months, I think. And, um, or maybe longer. I lose track of time like, very easily. And um, when, when you, because this is your first record in eight years, and you're always working on all sorts of things, producing records for other people, playing on records. What, is, is there a, a, do you have a specific thing of like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a record every now and again? Or is it just whenever something Whenever, whenever you really get inspired by something, is it? Is well, normally when I was making records in early in the early in my career, when I was in a group, we were making records every year. Yeah. Um, then after that, um, I took a break and started producing. That's when I started producing like D'Angelo, Toto, and um, a lot of different you know groups in between that. Then uh, the in the Don Lucy Pearl, which. Uh, then I did, that ended up ending very fast, and that pushed me into a solo record. And that was sort of instant vintage. And after that, I started making records like every two years, maybe. I yeah. thought maybe it would be every two years. And then once I did like uh, the way I, I did Ray Ray, and the way I see it. I mean, all of them. Instant vintage. And yeah, then I. Really good. And then I, I don't know what happened. I think after, you know, my last record, the 60s, was Stone Rolling record, I think I just needed some time off. I pretty much had been, you know, burning the candle from both ends and yeah. I wanted to just like, you know, hang out on the east side and uh, you know, uh, East LA, not East LA, Eagle like Echo Park where I live and just just sort of just, you know, walk around, go to my studio. Is my studio's in North Hollywood and go there, come home, go to some coffee in the morning, just do regular things and just hang out a little bit, just go eat food and just like not <laughs> worry about records and I was still making records, but I wasn't, you know. Um, Not with so much of a like game, yeah, you know, game you know, plan. Then it, it was it, it was perfect because then you know labels were changing, staffs, then you know whole industries are upheaval. Yeah, the industry was changing, all so many different things. So it was it's like a perfect storm because things start changing and um, streaming was different than from when I put out my last records. Yeah. Um, it was kind of good to let things, it's still not totally settled, but like, um, 
you know, Columbia was more settled when I came back. We had new people in, um, Salisha, Salisha and Tubby and, and Stringer, Rob Stringer, he became the chairman. And <clears throat> he was there when I did the way I see it, and they hired, um, you know, Ron, Fair, Ron Perry. Um, it just changed a lot. So it, it needed, I mean, I, I think it, I didn't purposely do it like that, but it sort of felt like a good in time hindsight. to make a record, right? Yeah. Um, and all of those records that you just mentioned, you know, from Instant Vintage to The Way I See It, all of them are really good in their own way and have distinct things about them that make them good. Um, do you feel in your career that you, because obviously you've been very successful, but the, yeah, the quality, the consistency of quality in your records, do you sometimes feel that you're underrated as an artist? Um, I hear I hear that a lot. People ask me if they all feel underrated. Uh, I don't really feel underrated. I feel like I'm where I really want to be. Um, if you if you anybody would like to be bigger, but as a musician, I feel very fulfilled. I mean, there are yeah. a lot of people who'd want to be in your shoes. Yeah, for I sure. feel very fulfilled, and uh, I think it, it allows it also allows me to to keep going. You know. Um, and doing your doing yeah, things in the way you, that you want to. Right, you don't burn out so fast. Yeah. You know, it's people that got all the accolades really fast and they don't even hear about them anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, that said, you know, a lot of these records sort of made best of lists and Grammy awards and all sorts of things. And uh, so, obviously, Jimmy, Jimmy Lee is just coming out, but from your previous records, um, because this is a discussion of your whole career, what are some of your favorite tracks um, from previous records that you've done? Mm, I would say probably um, 100 Yard Dash from the way I see it, um, Keep Marching from the way I see it, um, I would say Moving Down the Line from Stone Rolling, Good Man from Stone Rolling, um, and I would say Just Don't, and that's from I don't even know. I think that's from Instant Vintage, maybe. It's a song I did with Little Dragon. Um, so it's a couple of them. Um, obviously, you've worked with a huge variety of different artists as well. What's some of your work that you're most proud of? I mean, obviously, like not some people might not know that, for example, you co-wrote like Untitled yeah. with D'Angelo, mm -hmm. which is just an absolute yeah, masterpiece, um, really. Yeah, that's definitely one of... Um, that's one of them for sure. Uh, Cranes in the Sky with Solange. Yeah. There's one, but really the one I like the most is uh, Show Me the Way by Earth, Wind and Fire with Maurice White singing. Oh, wow. And yeah. Phil Bailey and Bernie White and, and Ralph. Uh, and those that guys. That's a great song. That's the one that I really um, hold up the highest more than any of those songs. Did, so that, that was, that, was that about 2003, 2004? Yeah. And how did, how did it come about working with them? Were they great? Were they inspirations of yours? Oh well, they're they're my biggest inspirations. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, um, they they uh, just came to the studio one day. First, I said no because I was a little intimidated, and then um, really, yeah. Well, course. you're too intimidated. So, but how did you say no? And and of course, like Larry Dunn, was he was what album of yours was he on? Was he, he on the way I see it? He was on. This song I did called Just Don't. He's playing piano. So Lil Dragon, um, 
He's on Just Don't, yeah. Yeah, he's playing piano. Yeah, that's and amazing. Play, and then he plays that. Um, yeah, I think that, that might be Stone Rolling. He's on Stone Rolling. Because yeah. he plays the long Moog solo at the end, and he plays. He plays grand piano too. And I just, I let him play his. Because I, I can't remember the full list of musicians, but it was like a very curated list of musicians that you got playing with you on that album. Like, like really, like. Yeah, people who've been involved with some Well, Paul games. Reiser, who did all the strings for Motown, a lot of the string arrangements for like, um, for the first Supremes, I Hear Symphony. Wow. Yeah, uh, just adjust my imagination, that beautiful string line. Like, da -na -na, ba -na -na, da -na -na. Um, that classic line, and just my imagination, just my imagination. He also did like the strings on, uh, the way I said he did, uh, he did, he did strings on um, Stone Rolling too, like Good Man, Just Don't. Um, that, that's one of my most legendary uh, things about that record with yeah. Paul Reiser. That's amazing. And, uh, and, so, and so, so in the end, you agreed to do the collaboration with Afternoon Fire? Yeah, I did. Um, and, but I didn't have anything ready. And they came over and they just walked in a room, you know, um, Verdine, Maurice, and Philip Bailey, they just walked in the room and I was just like, hey, how you doing? And, you know, then wow. I just wrote it right in front of them. Wow. Yeah. That is, yeah, it is a great record. Yeah. And it must have been an amazing thing for you, if they're your biggest inspiration. I mean, they're Oh, yeah, I used to be a kid, open up the album cover, just sitting there watching the Gratitude live album, put the vinyl on and just, I didn't go to the concert, um, so I couldn't go to the concert. So I just had the album, I just opened up the album, the vinyl, and just watched them look at a still picture and then and play the vinyl, which felt like to me they were moving. Even yeah. though it wasn't moving, I felt like they were really moving. I think I made them move or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, their, their records are just unbelievable. Still hold up as well as they did. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of the most So, amazing. So, so um, and this is a question, that, I mean, usually we start interviews with this question, but, um, so, like, obviously, Earth, Wind, and Fire—that's kind of answered it. And you can tell the influence of Motown. Um, but what you know, what first made you want to become a musician? Was it a way of expressing yourself, or were there certain artists that drew you to it, or a bit of both? Well, music was always in my in my family. It was every, in my neighborhood. There was always music. Music. There were always bands on every block. Every every garage had bands, and my uncle had. A house full of, you know, equipment set up to play. There was the lights were already powered on, basses and guitars on stands, drums there with sticks on it. <laughs> um, my dad had a, you know, a Fender amp with a guitar sitting there. It was just around me, and I just think people didn't tell you you had to play if you picked it up and uh, looked like you want to do something. People would just go, oh. It looked like he, he really wants to maybe try to do this. Or, you know. Then my brother played, and he taught me how to play the Shaka Khan song, and once I felt like I could play it, and I was, that was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And you, and you start, I think you described like your university was uh, going on tour with Prince. Yeah, that was my real, um, I was quiet out there, but Introduction to the music. That industry. was it. Was too like yeah, I was quite out there with you know him and with Prince and Sheila. Just watching both of them, um, 
um, you know, Sheila E is who I was really playing with, you know, and they yeah. play with him as after parties and, you know, stuff like that, but just watching him um, work and looking at all these, you know, Fartinoli and these huge management teams and these big stages with all these props and then him, you know, just uh, his work ethic was like, I've never seen anything like that before. And did that, <coughs> did that kind of inspire you to? Yeah, that inspired me when I went back home and then we started the Tonys. Uh, we was already the Tonys before I went out with Prince and Sheila. And how, d how did that band come about, the formation of that band? The Tonys? Yeah. Well, my brother was in a different band for me and then um, um, I always wanted to be in a, a band with my brother because, you know, I used to like the Brothers Johnson. So I thought, man, I could be in a band with my brother. But then I got a, a, adopted a friend named Tim Christian Riley, and one of him in the group too. And that's how we became Tony, Tony, Tony. That's awesome. Three people, yeah. And yeah, and you, it was it was a huge. Yeah, it was band. a huge band. It became a huge band. But just when we came back off the tour, when I came off tour, Prince, well, actually Tim was playing drums for Sheila, and um, when we came back. I saw how it was supposed to be done, actually. And literally, I just went to full swing, just really start rehearsing like the way Prince would, meaning putting in 14, 15 hour days, yeah. really rehearsing in like military style. Yeah, yeah. really putting in that work. Put in the work. And how d did, you, did you guys, you know, were you, did you get signed after that? Or what was, what was the process yeah. of making your first record? We got signed off of, um, the demos that the Tonys were doing by uh, two guys, Denzel Foster and Thomas McElroy, which are really good friends of mine to, still today. And was that so? Was that like a completely like magical time for you? That that was a very magical time to be um, signed by um, and Tommy and Denny. Was there was there ever a, a, a sort of moment during that era where you were like? know why you know am I gonna be able to make it as a musician am I gonna be able to or did you just kind of relax and let it happen I just relax and let it happen and, and you know, like I said I was I really wasn't trying to be an artist I was trying to be just play for people yeah and then the singing thing happened and it just took off but I wasn't really trying to be an artist it just you just sort of fell into I it. fell into it and and that almost seems like what happened with instant vintage like in terms of like you yeah. releasing your first solo record yeah, Tony's just sort of. What, was it the '96 album that? Yeah, '96. That was our last album. It didn't. It didn't kind of. Didn't meet the expectations commercially or, or, or yeah. whatever. And then well, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't actually promote it. How come? They didn't promote it because we. I, I left. I quit. You quit the. You quit the. Quit the band. And then. Yeah. So they knew that I quit. So, the label didn't. So want just to sort of fizzled it. out. And fizzled at that. At that point. We had a big record with Let's Get Down with a really big record with DJ Quay. Yeah. But we didn't we didn't finish it after that. Um, and after after that you didn't go straight into your solo career. You you started Lucy Pro. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and what 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 prompted you to become a solo artist after that? Did, did well, you just get people saying you really should? You really should and then I tried two groups and then it was you, I'm 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 really my best bet. Yeah. Well, mm. you, you, you've definitely proved that since then. Final question is, off this, off this album, Jimmy Lee, what are the tracks you're most proud of? Or, or is it 
you know, so cohesive as a record that you, you know, think people should just listen to it from start to I finish? I think people should listen to it from start to finish. Yeah, this is, it, it, the record could be one title, really. It doesn't have to have all the separate titles in the middle. I could have just titled it a Jimmy Lee with no titles. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Encourage people to, you know, yeah. increase their attention spans for a change. Yeah. Um, but I would, yeah, I would definitely say it's worth extending your attention span for this album. Thank it's you. I really appreciate good. it. Well, thanks for your time, Thank Raphael. You. Thank you.